result. You are now tuned into Pulse Pounding with Mickey Dillon. This week's guest is Emma Negrete, a talented singer and songwriter who's followed her creativity all over the globe. After leaving her home state of Iowa for an education in music, spending time as a resident singer in Chinese nightclubs, and losing her way in LA, she's here to talk about finding her way back to herself, her new single Dreams and Dry Spells, and the journey to artistic independence. I read something about you doing vocal training in a swimming pool. Is that true? Can you tell me about that? Okay. <laughs> so not necessarily vocal training in a swimming pool. So basically, uh, I joined the swim team in high school mm-hmm. to help with my lung capacity. And it it actually really changed my voice like long term. Because I just, yeah, I, I think I had like read something where Frank Sinatra had done that mm-hmm. to train his uh, diaphragm to have like a really, really big lung capacity. Um, as like, you know, the your diaphragm is the motor of your voice. Right. I feel like it wasn't until then that I was able to really belt and just like have a lot of control over my voice. Um, but yeah, I did join the swim team, which is pretty extreme because I had not really swam until or since I was like 11, I think, but I really didn't care. That was kind of where I was like learning to let my ego go because I was like, just really used to being good at singing. And I usually stayed in that lane. Right. But to join the swim team was like, it was kind of a huge ego hit because I would lose every race (laughs) (laughs) and it would be to like the freshman and I was a junior in high school I, w- I would try to challenge myself to where I could like make it to the end of the pool without coming up for a breath. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, you would take like one long breath and then try to hold it and like exhale. And that's just like how it goes when you're singing is like you take a breath and you try to sustain that note for as long as you can. Oh, that makes sense. Well, I'm 30 years old and I can't swim. So I've definitely let my ego go about that. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I watch my four-year-old niece swim in the pool every time we're like on vacation. And I'm like, how can this little toddler do this? And I can't. I look like I'm flailing for life in the pool. Right? (laughs) So ridiculous. That's hilarious. Talk to me about growing up in Iowa. It was like a good experience, but also like at times like a challenging experience. um, Just being Latina. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I mean, it is like predominantly white. But I do, I do, I did really like enjoy my experience there. I did do a lot of like talent competitions and stuff there. So there's a lot of, there was, I was surrounded by music most of my life Mm -hmm. there. Yeah, it was, it was a really interesting experience for me as I was like kind of the only one uh, that I really knew that did music and always wanted to do music my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, So in a way, yeah, I guess I kind of felt like, the odd one out right a lot of the time not necessarily like in a bad way because people always thought it was cool and stuff and so like i would definitely hold that hold on to that and i was like that was that was my thing that was cool definitely not the place for me although i appreciate the the experience (laughs) like i had moved to chicago right after high school and that was like really where i kind of felt at home Mm -hmm. because there was just a lot more diversity and just like 
people like me, brown people like me. I think it's so interesting artistically and creatively that kind of where you develop and where you grow up will influence that, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. It either is from feeling like you don't belong and wanting to get out or from feeling comfortable and being around people who are like yourself. Growing up in New York for me, I feel like I've had that my whole life. So I haven't like had to seek it out other places. But I think the opposite experience is so interesting where you feel like you're not really around like-minded people who are doing the same thing that you are. And then to move into a place where that's happening must be so like freeing. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, Growing up there, I always did feel a sense of like wanting to get out and Mm -hmm. wanting to be somewhere else where I felt like I belonged more. It was definitely very, very, very freeing to like move to Chicago. And then just I'm like, wow, there's this whole other world that I've been like missing out on my whole life. Right. How did that happen? How did you land on the decision to go to Chicago and go to their performing arts college? My dad was actually helping me look at colleges. Um, I wanted to go to college for music, but I didn't want to do opera or classical music, which was most of the options. Mm -hmm. But then my dad found this jazz school and I grew up loving jazz. Like I love Etta James was the first CD I ever had. Um, And so like he found this jazz conservatory in Chicago and I was like, Oh, okay. Cause I was like kind of scared to like move to like Boston or something for Berkeley or to go all the way out to LA. Um, I think that was just too much of a, of a jump for me at that point. So he was like, Oh, here we go. Like we found this jazz school and it like we visited and I instantly felt connected to it. I was like this makes so much sense for me. How do you wake up in Chicago and decide, I'm going to go to China? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, actually, that was in LA. So yeah, I moved to LA first. I had actually switched schools to uh, the Musicians Institute. And I had a classmate that was from China. There was one day where I was just in, in my home, like cleaning or whatever. And I get a text message. And like, I had to read it a couple of times because I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, it, it said like, hey, Emma, we're looking, I'm um, helping my partner start a nightclub in China and we're looking for a resident singer. Would you be interested in coming over to China for six months? Right. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's like, hello. Um, <laughs> that's like a very big question. Um, and I guess my first thought was like, what? I can't go to China for like, what? Right. And then, but then I was like, wait, no, I can't. Like, this is what I'm literally, I went to school for is like to go do these big gigs like this. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. Let's do it. So I ended up going to China. Yeah. It was, it was a, that was probably still to this day, like the craziest experience of my life. Um, as that was like, the first place besides a cruise on the Bahamas that I went to internationally. Right. Um, so I, yeah, I don't really count that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it was such a huge culture shock and especially to learn like how disciplined they are. Like, I guess I never like in Chicago, I, I didn't think that like music was, was like a whimsical thing, but I think just overall as a culture, um, like, America kind of views musical at music as like, you know, a hobby. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas like in China, everything that they do has to be so extremely disciplined. Even if I am like singing in a nightclub, it, it was still extremely disciplined. And I felt like that really, really prepared me for where I'm at now. What was the biggest difference performing there versus performing in places like Chicago and LA? Uh, I guess connecting with the crowd, really. Because um, there's not really much that you can say. Because uh, I don't speak Mandarin. Right. Um, I speak a little bit now. But um, I guess connecting with the crowd is just a very different setting. Because I, I had never really sang in EDM nightclubs before. Mm-hmm. So I was singing EDM nightclubs. And that was just like over, like not only a completely different setting, but a completely different culture overall. We weren't in an intimate setting necessarily. So it was like, it was like energy times 100 mm-hmm. all the time, where I'm usually mostly like in a more intimate setting where I can like really get in my vibe right. and stuff and like settle into it. So at the time that you're, in China performing in these clubs, is this when you're writing and recording algorithms? Uh, the contract had ended and I was in China for an extra month because I we were working on getting our uh, work visas mm-hmm. and the immigration office still had my visa. Basically, Chinese New Year happened and they shut down everything for like two weeks to a month. Mm-hmm. So it took like month to get my my uh passport back so i was basically just kind of stuck in china (laughs) (laughs) and like jobless doing nothing um and so i like really found ways to like entertain myself because i also didn't really have friends right and they have like all of our social media blocked over there and oh shit really yeah even google is is blocked over there Oh, that's wild. Um, of course, like I, I would use a VPN, but like 90% of the time it didn't work. So yeah, I didn't really like get to watch very much Netflix either. <laughs> that's also, that's also blocked over there. Yeah, I was, it was really just me and my thoughts in this apartment. And yeah, like, cause even the time difference, like I could only talk to people at 3am my time. Right. Yeah, I just like took that time. I would like listen to music. I was like writing a bunch um, and just like sitting with my thoughts. And like that was what I found myself doing in complete boredom was like the thing that was the key that I was looking for for so long that would like really excel my career. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just like, yeah, I no distractions anymore and like it was really interesting that i'm like huh so this is what i actually choose to do right and um yeah i i just wrote through all my thoughts and like i'd never really written down anything before of like how i feel and like um really just formed like my strong opinions Mm -hmm. and just got all of that out of the way and then it was only then when i was able to like create something with a centered um concept where it was like clear and I was like wow okay I feel like I have control over my mind now um and I don't know I feel like that was just like the biggest push for my career and it even affected like 
my latest release, mm -hmm. which no, we wrote this song um, maybe like um like a month and a half ago. Mm -hmm. But the concept, I wrote that concept back then. Right. That we revisited. And so like that was a very prosperous time for me in my entire career. Okay, let's talk about algorithms. It's such good soulful R&B. I love the way you open some of the songs with like an acapella harmony stack. Reminded me like a little bit of En Vogue or SWV, like the way in the 90s R&B, they used to do that with just the vocals to open it. Yeah, so those I actually love En Vogue and SWV. Like there, there are some like pretty big influences as well. I feel like I can hear it in your style. Oh my God, that's such a compliment. Thank you. I really, really, really fell in love with harmonies because um, I did a lot of choirs, but especially my vocal jazz little ensemble in in college that that made me like fall in love with harmonies and like working with a group. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just I just really appreciate harmonies and just like the beauty that like just a voice can bring. Yeah. And so that's something that I always kind of like, that's like my stamp on mm -hmm. my music is like those harmonies is like, I have to have them there. Like that's, I don't know, no matter what genre or whatever that I do, I'm like, I need my harmonies. That's my favorite part of music. And it's like the first thing that I listen for. So when I started listening through the EP, that's what I was listening to. And I was trying to count how many stacks there were. And I was like, oh, this yeah. is very impressive. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Um, there's there's even more on this next one. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really excited. Strawberry Moon was the first song that I heard, and I loved it. I love that like vocal fry moment that you have in the chorus, where your voice kind of like breaks a little bit, but it's like perfectly placed. Yeah. The harmonies, obviously, we already talked about. What was the inspiration behind that song? So that song was honestly, it was probably the most like organic mm -hmm. of all of them where it just kind of like came to me in the studio. I, I'm, I've always been really into astrology mm -hmm. and I wanted to just start like writing more about that kind of stuff. And it was around the strawberry moon. And so like, I, I just loved that title mm -hmm. and uh, so I was like, okay, let's just like make a little song about the strawberry moon. We'll make it make sense. And so um, we wrote that just like in the studio. And usually I write like beforehand. I like to write my lyrics like beforehand and, you know, but this one was just a more, more like fun and spontaneous right. one, um, which, you know, worked out because I think that one's my favorite off of, off of the EP. Um, but yeah, just one like, there wasn't too much thinking going on with that one. Just wanted it to be fun and sensual and, you know, something that I could dance to. Who produced it? Um, so my friend Brant, actually, Brant Sear. Um, him and I, like, kind of co-produced that one. Mm -hmm. He's the real mastermind behind the production. <laughs> That's my favorite one production-wise of yours. I like the way it, like, speeds and slows and it has, like, these ethereal sounds in the chorus. It's so good. So we actually met at... Uh, musicians institute and he is a guitar player so like those a lot of the ethereal sounds with like is the guitar like mm -hmm. i don't know we we were just in the studio and just like we we were on this like little phase where we would just be in the studio we'd be staying up till like 
I don't know, 5 a.m. just working on a song. And that was just one of them where it just like it just happened. And like the first session, we pretty much like had the song because we just kept going on this roll. Okay, we're like, okay, so how about now we do this and then we do this. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like I like how it does go on like that little journey as well. Tell me about the song Lost in Translation, because the line, we were both right, just not for each other, hit me in a way I wasn't ready for when I was like super high listening to it for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That I mean, yeah, that's the goal is to like, um, you know, make people think feel that because I love when artists make me feel that. Yeah. So, thank you. That was like the one song that I fully wrote in China. I was dissecting songs. I was listening to music. And all of a sudden, I just like something in the music was like, oh, I felt like the song I was listening to was from the guy's perspective, where it was he was like explaining to me that like, it has nothing to do with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just like wrote down that line. And I was like, this is it. I have to go home right now. And so I called a cab and I went home and I finished the song. Within that. like an hour. Do you ever um do you ever listen to Pink Sweats? Yes. There's a song called Honesty of his that has like mm -hmm. a similar chords in the beginning, the way it starts. Yeah. And that was my first thought when I heard it. And I think he's so great. <laughs> and I was listening to this and I'm like, oh my God, this reminds me so much of that, but like its own thing. Okay. So actually that I love that song so much. And that actually was the song that I was listening to. Oh shit. And I was like I had to like write a response like that. Was, I had to write the response. That's to it. so funny because as soon as it started, I heard the guitar and I was like, wait, where do I know this from? And then it hit me and I looked, I put that song on and I'm like, I wonder if this is like a sample or a reference or if it's just a coincidence that it sounds like this. It's, it's a lyrical response. Yeah, that's hysterical because that is like <laughs> that whole EP of his is so great. And I go back to that so often. Um, so that's funny yeah. that that was the connection to it. Absent stuck out to me. And I think that's my favorite song of yours overall. Some of the lyrics that caught me were um, past is always present in the state of reminiscing. Same streetlights, but they feel a little different. Made it to my mama's and she took me in the kitchen. Told me that you find yourself the moment you go missing. I played that back like six times. That one part of that verse because it's so powerful. Oh, thank you. What were your what like experiences were you reflecting on when you wrote that? That was actually right before I was leaving for China. And I really had felt like I'd lost my weight a lot while living in LA. Mm -hmm. Which is a common thing from people who move there. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of it, there's not really um, anything. I don't think there's any way of like uh, talking about a relationship in that song. But th I was going through like a breakup that was really, really painful for me. It, yeah, that was like a huge um, reason why I was like feeling so lost mm -hmm. as well. But um, I think just overall, I had like lost my way as an artist. And it was only then that I realized it. And which like prompted me to write the song. I was picturing myself like walking down the street and like we would me and my ex we would always like walk down that street together but i'm like this just doesn't even make sense for mm -hmm. me to like walk the street alone like what i don't know we just i was co-writing that with um my friend tyler i don't know we just like stayed up late one night and like that song just like came about 
but it we both were kind of just like feeling this and I feel like a lot of artists like really feel that especially being in LA like you don't really have your support system so as lame as it sounds that I ran back to my mom and like I went to Iowa and yeah it just was super grounding I don't know I feel like that's one of my darker songs Mm -hmm. like even when I listen back to it I'm like sometimes I'm like I can't listen to this right where I'm like I, I transport back to that place a little bit um but I think it is like a very important part of my career that has like made me not want to live that life Mm -hmm. and that has like motivated me to like keep making music and you know go forward so that I don't have to be in that place anymore I think it's really interesting like when I was listening to it I was interpreting it as sometimes when you go back to the same places but you've been through something different that place feels different so the way you were saying in those lyrics about the streetlights are the same but it feels different I have those experiences in my own life, and I'm sure many people do, where something happens to you or you go through something and you go back to a familiar place, but it doesn't feel the same. It feels different because you're different. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like even sometimes when I like go to, um, for instance, like a, a country that I really, really love and really had a great time there, sometimes I'll go back, but then I'm like, this is definitely not the same, like kind of just chasing that same experience again. Mm-hmm. But it. But it, yeah, it's just, it's not the same. I think about that sometimes when I think back to different times, right? Like I was saying the other day, I saw a TikTok of someone with a sidekick cell phone. And I was like, what I would do to go back to 2007 and just like live there for a week. But then I think about it and I'm like, it's not so much the, the objects or the technology or the things that were happening. It's like a time in your life that you're nostalgic for. And if 30-year-old me went back to 2007, it wouldn't feel the same, you know? But you still like long for those things. It's weird. Yeah, definitely. I would go back to 2007 as well. In a that second. Was, in a second. That was such a year. It was such a year for like pop culture, music, like everything. Everything. Yeah. That's my favorite era of music. You've been pretty open about the struggle of surviving financially between gigs as a musician. I think that's an important conversation to have between creatives. How have you done that? And what's been the hardest part of it? I mean, I've had a lot of different side hustles. Like at one point I was, I was making hats. At one point I was, you know, just flipping clothes or, you know, I got very creative with like how I um, made money, but this is kind of my first time talking about this but um yeah I did I did resort to sex work because I just I didn't know what else to do Mm -hmm. I my main skill throughout my entire life has been singing so um yeah I feel like there's a lot of other women that are doing it and I've come to a place where like I've accepted that about myself because I did hold like a lot of shame around it but I think like even that has given me a really different perspective on the world and just people and like a dynamic between men and women. Um, and I think like not a lot of people really talk about that and, and it did shape me in a lot of very positive ways and like empowered me. Um, but I think, yeah, there's not a lot of like musicians necessarily. I feel like, there's probably more than, than we think, you know, mm-hmm. doing in the same, in the same boat. Um, and that's kind of like where I got lost along the way a little bit was like, I would get complacent with 
the money. Mm-hmm. I've like made a rule for myself where like I'm I'm not doing that anymore, and, and I'm going to like invest like everything that I make, which now I make money solely off of singing in steakhouses and restaurants, hotels, bars. Um, and I'm like fully supporting my career. Right. But I, yeah, like there, there's just so much that goes on behind the scenes that like musicians don't talk about on the way up. Um, and I feel like, yeah, like sometimes you really do just have to do what you got to do. And like, there's, there's going to be songs coming up where I talk about that. And it's like, you can villainize a person for doing something that they got to do, but you never really understand until you're in their shoes. And I think everybody's just doing the best they can to figure out what they have to do to get to where they want to be. And sometimes experiences that might not be the most positive, the way that you're saying that like you held certain feelings about what you were doing, like that helps to mold you into the person that you are. And I always say that like, if you learn a lesson from something, then your time's not wasted, right? So if you take an experience and something positive comes out of it, then there was a point to it. It wasn't for nothing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because I feel like now I even have a lot more to talk about in Mm -hmm. my music. And I feel like that was the thing that was like kind of holding me back was like not even knowing what to talk about, not having like enough life experiences. But now I have some very extreme life experiences. And it's also important to talk about because like you're saying, there's so much that happens in this industry as you're coming up and as you're trying to make it to where you want to be. And a lot of people don't talk about that stuff. So for you to talk about that and put yourself out there in that sense will help other people who are doing the same Mm -hmm. thing or who may want to walk down that path and then listening to an experience that you might tell might make them say, maybe I don't want to do that, you know? Yeah. And that's actually kind of why I want to talk about it too, is because like, I think there is a lot of curiosity in because like I've told some some girlfriends about it and then like oh I'm so curious about it I'm like no mm-hmm. d- don't <laughs> right um and it's like here I will tell you my story so you can squash your curiosity um because I don't think it's like ne- I wouldn't necessarily like recommend it right I want to be more open about talking about it because every single time I tell somebody about it, they're like, wait, what really you like you did that. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like there's this, this like giant stereotype behind it. And I think the stereotype was actually why I was like holding so much shame around it Mm -hmm. is because it, there times it's just like so frowned upon and like generalized that you, you know, are, I don't know, you look a certain way or you act a certain way or are stupid or like you um, are like a drug addict or something like that. Right. And it's, I don't know, like, it, I feel like there's just so many negative stereotypes behind it. Whereas like, I don't know, like I, I felt like I was a pretty normal person and like people would say that all the time. Mm-hmm. They're like, but you're like so normal like how do you hide it so well i'm like i mean i don't know like i'm just like still being myself right like what are you what are you hiding it's it's weird how people have like such their own perception and their own ideas of what things are that they don't fully understand so then they take that and they put that kind of like mask on every person and i get what you're saying like when they talk to you 
you're not what they've created in their head as the idea of what that person looks like or sounds like or acts like. So it's confusing to them. It's very strange. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I feel like there are a lot of just like very normal people like doing all kinds of different things that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's shift gears into the new single. Your new single, Dreams and Dry Spells, just came out, and the style is a little bit different from your previous releases. I feel like it has like a bit of an Afrobeat element to it. Yes. But it still has your like signature soulful vocal style. So how did you decide to step so far outside of the box sonically? I don't know what it is, but like I last summer or like the summer of twenty. 2022 yes 2022 i um it was like i i wanted to just like i don't know what it was but it was like pulling me to the caribbean Mm -hmm. um and so like i just told everybody in la peace out and (laughs) i left for two months and i was gonna go i was actually maybe i wanted to go somewhere for two months i my first thought was new york but then i was like nah and then i like was like maybe Brazil, but then I was like, nah, like carnival's not happening until February. So I like put that on pause, but then I ended up just wanting to be like in the Caribbean and just like wanted to be like on a boat dancing. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know who's, but like, (laughs) I just wanted to be dancing on a boat. Find a boat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But like a margarita in my hand or something. And so like, I just, I don't know. I just followed my heart doing that. And I, I went to Mexico city actually. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I like met family that I had never met before. Cause my family is from Mexico city. Um, and it just like, I, I don't know, like that whole experience made so much sense for me because I could never explain like why I loved astrology so much and why I have like this little spicy, like mm-hmm. kind of like open, sexual side of myself and then like going to Mexico city and seeing how like tied in my astrology is with everything. Right. And then you know, everybody's so open sexually and like, I'm like, ah, okay. Yes. This, this makes sense for me. Um, and so then like, I don't know, I went to, I stayed with this person with, um, this really, really nice, uh, couple off, off of Airbnb and, the woman she had like told me that I was just like kind of on this soul searching journey and um and just like kind of wanting to live my life because I perform like all the time on weekends and then weeknights as well so I don't really get to have like the social experience throughout my life that like a lot of people get to have like that work normal jobs so I just wanted to go like live my life and um so basically I, I was like on this soul searching journey, like kind of like losing my way in LA again, um, where I just like, not in the same way, but just kind of like wanting something else that is just more exciting. She suggested me going to this like hypnotherapy session. And so I did just to um, connect with like your past life. So mm-hmm. I went to Tulum, had a really cool experience with that. And um then I wasn't even really planning on going to Tulum, had a good time and then met some friends that suggested going to different other places. And so I just like spent my entire summer 
traveling along like the Caribbean coast of Mexico. And then the last place I wanted to go was Belize. So they have like a really, really cool, like um, their barrier reef, the Belize barrier reef. I just wanted to like also swim with turtles and, you know, right. have a little mermaid moment. <laughs> and so <laughs> I went there and I, it just was, it, it's not what I expected it to be, but it was like, it just felt so me because I like have just like an R&B background and like also Latino background and the music that they were listening to there, it, it felt like it was both. So like, I just really connected with, and I had just like such a great experience in Belize where like the locals were so welcoming and like, I, I don't know. I just like, I felt like I was at home. I was like, this is like the perfect place. Mm -hmm. It was so beautiful. And, um, so I just like wanted to make music like that. Like I just wanted to make music that would represent like that experience as well as like, I could just dance to it. Like I could just dance on a boat. Right. And, (laughs) And so, um, because I just, those were the songs that I was like obsessed with and just like, that's all I wanted to listen to was like that and bad bunny. And so, um, <laughs> so like, yeah, I just like, kind of made this decision that I was like, okay, I can still write what I want to write, but like, if I can't dance to it, I'm not putting it out. Mm-hmm. And so like, I went to, um, I went to Chicago and I met up with my day ones. Cause I just like, I heard this song that they were like writing and uh i was like are you serious so like i have this these um we were in a band before i moved to la Mm -hmm. and we just really like connected on every level musically and there was just so much like chemistry so i was like okay i feel like this is what i'm being called to do right now so i took a month off this summer um and i went to chicago for the month of august and we just set up session we did sessions every week we like they would they would do production and then we brought another a vocal producer of year um on and basically like we were all just like on the same page of the kind of music that we wanted to make like crazy enough seven years later mm-hmm. we just like got in the studio and this the i the beat for uh, dreams and dry spells our friend tim he brought it in and we we're like everybody was vibing with it i was just going back in my notes and i had um written the concept dreams and dry spells which actually was gonna be a totally different concept um that would have gone more on algorithms um and it was kind of like it was me longing for like achieving my dreams but I felt myself like coming into this dry spell, mm-hmm. like of writing where I'm like, okay. Like I, I, um, I feel like I'm headed for just like a dry spell. I hopefully like, I'm going to be able to get like that writing flow back. Right. So I had that line written as I weave between the lines of dreams and dry spells. But then I was like, it's too sad. Yeah. It's too sad. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, okay, let's let's make this let's make this sexy. So, <laughs> <laughs> my friend Avir, he actually wrote most of the song, but it was it was a co-write. But yeah, he he actually like wrote most of the song, and um, it was just so nice to like have a team that we were all like writing it together, and 
everybody's just like equally all in on it and you know having someone to celebrate those like wins with you right. know like it was I, I feel like for a long time I've been trying to take this like fully independent path like as a writer and as an artist but it I don't know like it just in a way felt lonely and mm-hmm. so like it's it is really nice to like have that team who like you're just really good friends with as well um and it's just like this whole collaborative effort it's, it's more sexy it's about like being in in kind of like a situation trip but like not in a bad way necessarily mm-hmm. like kind of in an exciting exhilarating way where it's like you kind of like kind of crave the toxicity a little bit right <laughs> Where it's like this person, you know, when they like cut off communication with you, you're like, like, where are they? What are they doing? Why aren't they texting me back? And it's like, uh, I don't know, like they have this spell, like they've cast a spell on you Mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, the the dry communication is like put this spell on you. So we kind of found another way to like make this about you know, the dry spells in a, in a different way, in a more fun way. What accomplishment are you most proud of so far? Ooh. Oh, man. That's <laughs> a hard one. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, being able to fully, like, not only, like, fund my entire life mm-hmm. off of music and off of just purely my voice, um, but to be able to, like, go beyond that and fund my entire like music release, my music video, like those are expensive, man. Right. And so like I I was with a label, but I decided to take a step away from, from them and just like take on this completely independent self-funded path. Right. Um, which like honestly the biggest like freeing and empowering feeling that I could like possibly imagine because I'm like able to do everything that I've wanted to do and like that normally would come along with a record label because all the you know like the director of my music video she's she's one of my friends like she's an amazing film director she like um she graduated like top of her class at the American Film Institute. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Like that, you know, now she's directing my music video and stuff. And it it feels like all of us are acting as a record label in our own. What's been your least favorite thing about pursuing music? There's got to be something about it that you don't like. Oh, there. Oh, yeah. There's there's plenty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm like, which one do I choose? Should I make a list? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, I guess like just the uncertainty a lot of the time of like where the next page. I know that's such a cliche answer, but like where the next paycheck is coming from, or I guess a lot of it is like. The, ne- the business negotiations where it's like you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings because mm-hmm. it's it's more it's more like I feel like it's a very touchy thing where you know you put so much of yourself into your craft and like a lot of times it's hard to do business negotiations for that reason because you don't want to like disrespect somebody or um or like you don't want to feel disrespected Cause like, there's not, you know, there's not a contract in like every aspect of business in music. 
Um, so it can be like a really difficult, touchy way um, to go about like what you want to do. What is your greatest hope for your future? And what is your greatest fear? Uh, greatest hope for a future. I saved the hard ones for the end. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> now that I got you all comfortable talking about your music and your creativity, I'm like, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess greatest hope for the future is, you know, like, is being able to keep this momentum going and, you know, have it building on a steady path and being able to, you know, put like all the money that was like invested into it, being able to like get it back and then also more to like put into the pockets of like people that made it happen. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. Obviously, like I, I want it to be on a grander scale of that eventually. Uh, I think that's like my short-term answer for right now. Biggest worry for the future. Um, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All of that goes away, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, true. I feel like that's, I feel like that's a common concern when you're pursuing like a creative path. Like I believe this is going to work, but what if it doesn't? Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess. Yeah. That's my biggest worry is like, what if it doesn't? Then you know, I guess redirect, but yeah. But where? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's just something you have to figure out as you go, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Okay. Tell everybody where they can find you on social media so they can get to your music. So you can find me on Instagram and TikTok as at Emma with two A's (laughs) and E-G-R-E-T-E. So E-M-M-A-A-N-E-G-E-R-E-T-E. Those are the main ones. I mean, you can find me on Facebook under Emma Gretchen Music. All right. If you're listening to this, make sure you're streaming the new single Dreams and Dry Spells and make sure you stream Algorithms because it's so fucking good. And I've added a lot of it to my sex playlist. I don't know if it's appropriate music for that, but some of it sounds like the right vibe. Yes. Love that. Okay, yeah. If I'm on a sex playlist, I'm doing something right. <laughs> I think I'm at like 60 songs now. And my boyfriend the other day disclosed that he doesn't like love the music during sex. And I'm like, where has that information been for the past four years? Like, you telling me oh this God. now? You're telling me now that it's not your favorite thing? That's hilarious. Crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you taking the time out to do this. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,